Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hi, and welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. A little bit of a bonus episode this week. I'm Gareth Watkins, your host, coming to you as always from the mobile studio deep in the heart of rural North Yorkshire, England, uh, where I should first, of course, say a very big thank you once again to our good friend Travis for doing a wonderful job last week, uh, filling, <laughs> filling in for me, uh, and I think broke the record this season for the longest podcast, so well done. Uh, and, and thanks to everybody who sent in uh, a terrific amount of feedback. And it was indeed great to hear from some first-time contributors. I think maybe some of you are thinking, blimey, time's running out. If I want to get my voice on the podcast, there's not much longer, not much more time in which to do it. Although, of course, there is the Rewatch podcast, which, which will be uh, continuing after Season 8. Uh, so there will be opportunities if you want to get your voice heard on air, as it were. Uh, but thanks to everybody who supported Travis last week and, uh, of course, to Travis himself for uh, doing a terrific amount of work <laughs> uh, editing all that together and, and getting the podcast uploaded um, uh, in time for the weekend. So, uh, yeah, brilliant. Thanks, everybody. As for me, well, I had a great week. Uh, I, I can't say it. Uh, I, I didn't appreciate the break because it is, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to whinge because <laughs> I do enjoy doing the podcast. But it is quite a bit of work each week fitting in time to record or prepare, record, edit and upload. Uh, so it is nice to have a little bit of a break. Uh, and I spent the week with my family. We went camping again. Uh, staying in North Yorkshire this time. We didn't go too far. Uh, but it was it was really great. We, we made the most of it. it had lots of good days out, doing lots of stuff, having fun. It's what it's all about, isn't it? And then last weekend, um, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll already know this, but uh, we had a weekend at uh, the theme park at Alton Towers, uh, which, um, oh, it's a couple of hours drive from home, so it was a bit of a drive, but really worth it. We spent Saturday night staying in the hotel at, at the uh, the water park, uh, which is just adjacent to the main theme park with all its roller coasters. The water park is great. If you've got kids sort of under 10, um, it's fantastic. Uh, the, our kids loved it, of course. Um, we spent Saturday there, and then on Sunday uh, we spent about eight hours in the theme park uh, on the roller coasters. Uh, those of you who know Alton Towers... Um, we started off on the mine train, we went through Jewel, we went on... Actually, I went on Nemesis, uh, which is a terrific, <laughs> a real intense ride. I don't know what G's you pull going around some of those turns. Um, I uh, queued up uh, an extra five minutes for, to, to sit in the front, uh, the front row of the ride, and bloody hell, when I came off it was like being drunk. <laughs> my poor head, but yeah, a real rush, a real adrenaline rush, um, white knuckle ride in, in every sense, so that was brilliant. We went on Sonic Spinball, which is another awesome one, not been on that before. Uh, my eldest has just got over 1.2 metres, which is, you know, they have cut-offs for heights uh, that you can get on these rides, and 1.2 metres is uh, one of the significant cut-offs at Alton Towers, and uh, so Samuel is now able to go on... Um, 
some of these new rides and, and he loved it he went on we went on 13 as well which is uh, a roller coaster that travels in all directions there's a bit where you have a vertical drop you go in this darkened it's a traditional roller coaster to start with and then they take you into this darkened uh room that the car stops in there and then there's a loud bang and the floor just drops and you you probably only drop about 10 feet um but it, if you're not expecting it, <laughs> you leave your stomach behind. And then it goes backwards for a bit as well. So it goes in all directions. Quite quite a novel ride. Although for me, uh, Nemesis and, and the Sonic Spinball ride were a lot more exciting. We had a brilliant day. Let's just uh, let's say that. Um, it was a long drive home. I wasn't feeling too great. <laughs> Maybe it was from the uh, my head going all over the place on the rides. So yeah, Sunday night I wasn't feeling too clever. Uh, I think I was probably just exhausted as well. I've, when you camp, it really is time when you're active, days on end and and having disturbed nights. Um, it's oh, I, I was just shattered, absolutely shattered. Monday, uh, I had to ring in sick at work. I wasn't wasn't feeling um, in the best of shape. So whether it was a little bug I picked up, I don't know. But um, fighting fit now, and um, as I mentioned on Twitter and I think on Facebook, I, I thought I'd put a few thoughts together and just chat to you a little bit about, very briefly, about my thoughts on the last episode, uh, Make Your Own Kind of Music, which of course Travis covered so well last week. Uh, so I don't want to go too in-depth, there's just one or two things I, I wanted to comment on briefly, and of course brief is something I don't do particularly well as this intro demonstrates. <laughs> We've also got a bit of feedback that's come in since Travis recorded, um, so I shall hopefully do that a little bit better justice than I did your feedback on the last podcast I did where I was just so pressed for recording time. Uh, apologies again for anyone whose feedback I, I just sort of read out very quickly and, and moved quickly on to the next bit. Such is life. Uh, so, make your own kind of music. What can I say about it? Well, as you know, I had been in teetering on the edge of the doldrums a little bit with the prior to the previous episode. Uh, but are we are we there yet? It did pull me back, um, and I was very glad about that, as I know a lot of you were as well. Um, it brought a lot of you back on board and excited again for the season as it seemed to be moving up a gear. Oh, you know what's coming, don't you? Make your own kind of music. <sighs> oh, dearie me. I was disappointed, like so many of you were. It looked like things were, were taking an upturn and then disappointment again. I wouldn't say it was it was a load of rubbish because it wasn't. Um, it was okay, but there were bits in it that I just didn't. I just didn't like. And um, and there are ones that you guys covered in great detail last week on the podcast. So as I say, I'll try and keep this fairly brief. Okay, so. Dexter had this problem. We've got the US Marshal, who I was pleased to see played by Kenny Johnson from uh, The Shield. Uh, and he was also in Sons of Anarchy for a while as well. So glad to see him uh, in the show. Uh, not the first Shield alum. Uh, we had uh, the guy who played Speltzer, Ray Speltzer, last year, whose name is currently escaping me. Matt Gerald. There we are. 
yeah, he was in the Shield as well. Uh, so yeah, interested uh, to see where this U.S. Marshal thing is going. Um, Dexter tried to pull the wool over his eyes, but I get the feeling he's not going to be fooled so easily. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested, as, as we talked about many times, Dex is at its best when he's in jeopardy, and uh, I don't think that Marshall is going to give up uh, any time soon. So I'm pleased to see a bit of pressure coming from that direction. We had the situation where Dexter and Hannah decided they were going to stay together and try and sort something out, and Dexter turns to Deb. I agree with what you guys were saying that it could have been a major problem for Dexter, but with still a bit of time left this season, um, they weren't going to be uh, getting out of Miami straight away. Uh, so, you know, it's a short-term problem that needed solving, and it got solved very easily with Deb giving in to Dexter's request. Um, she obviously expressed her, <laughs> her concerns, which we can understand completely. Uh, but she gave in to him and agreed to have this killer in her house. Uh, and, and of course, uh, a woman that Deb knows, uh, Dexter's in love with. Um, so, that, you know, there's that sort of green-eyed monster thing going on. Although I'm sure Deb realises that there's never going to be any kind of romance between her and her quote-unquote brother. Um, but some of you commented that it was a bit too easy for uh, a problem to be solved, or rather Deb solved this, allowed this problem to be solved very easily. Uh, so once again, Dexter wriggles out of a, a sticky situation with consummate ease. He just kind of bats his eyelids at Deb and says, Oh, please... Or words to that effect. Uh, and she, oh, all right then. But I, I don't know. Deb is... I, I cut them a little bit of slack here. We know Deb has these strong feelings for Dexter. However you may want to define those. You can't deny that they are very strong feelings. She has a sen great sense of loyalty to, to Dexter. I think she's, as I say, I think she's resigned to there never being anything more than a, a brother-sister relationship between them. And she's thought, screw it, well, I can help Dexter out here. He needs my help. Um, okay, I've got these concerns about Hannah and concerns for my own personal safety, but fuck it. Okay, Dex, I'll help you. So, I could buy that. Um, what didn't sit? with me was their pally girl girly girly bondy dinner thing um i mean to an extent it was amusing uh, i i even chuckled out loud uh, at, at the irony of her eating this this meal prepared by hannah um but i thought she was very quick to for the com for the conversation to descend into a kind of cordial light-hearted sort of tone sort of thing going on you know what i mean deb has been poisoned by hannah twice hannah tried to fucking kill her and here they are sharing a girly moment i was thinking what's next are they going to be bonding over a box of kleenex and a copy of steel magnolias I, I thought if I I thought if I'd recorded a podcast last week, I might have even played a snatch of "Sisters Are Doing It for Themselves," but fortunately, you were you were spared that, and um, I may have been tempted to sing again as well. 
But do you know what I mean? It, it, it just didn't sit comfortably with me. We know Deb is stubborn. We know she bears these bad feelings towards Hannah. But the whole scene just got too friendly, too quickly, and I didn't buy it. So, as I say, I'm trying to keep these, these points brief because you've gone over these in great detail on the podcast last week. The next thing is Dexter's stalk of uh, Oliver, Oliver Saxon, who we now know is uh, Daniel Vogel. Has Dexter taken leave of his senses? What the hell was he thinking stalking somebody who is an established, skilled serial killer who's been killing for who knows how long and he stood there clear as day outside the window of the diner with Saxon sitting at a bar who keeps quite clearly glancing over his right shoulder um, in the direction of where Dex is standing outside the window in a bright blue shirt hands on his hips for the duration how did he think he wasn't going to be seen he wasn't even trying to remain even slightly hidden. What's going on? What was he thinking? Just outrageous. I mean, we've, we've pulled Dexter up on his dodgy field craft before. Earlier this season, for example, there was that thing with Sussman's cabin out in the swamps. Dexter goes to investigate, and he pulls up in his, um, in his car right outside the cabin. Not pulling up some way off so that nobody hears the engine noise. He doesn't know who's in there. The killer could have been, could have been sat out on the porch with a shotgun. Like like old grandma on the rocking chair in um, that Robert Mitchum film, Night of the Hunter, was it? And she's sitting on the rocking chair with a shotgun across her lap. He didn't know what was going to be meet, waiting for him when he got there. He could have parked up somewhere away under the cover of darkness and and walked to the cabin and... and um, you know, sort of stealthily. You know, there's no stealth involved there, and there's no stealth involved here at the diner. Just bollocks. I mean, it, it made Dexter look like a complete chump, a complete amateur. And that's disappointing after all this time. I, I know I've said about love makes us careless, it can make us vulnerable and, and, and weak to our emotions and make us do silly things. But Love didn't have anything to do with that. He was out stalking this guy with a view to killing him. It should have been a classic stalk and kill, but no. So, you know, he came unstuck there, and it could come back to bite him in the arse, and, and I bet it does. Um, although, who the brain surgeon is going to go after, I don't know. So, yeah, that was another thing that was kind of a whatever moment, discovering that... Oliver is Vogel's son. We knew, well, we didn't know for a fact, but we had our very strong suspicions that, that the brain surgeon was yet to be revealed. And by the law of, of character averages, we only had so many characters in the show. We'd had, oh, excuse me, sorry, lunch is repeating on me. We'd had mention of Vogel's husband. Uh, so he was a possible candidate, even though we hadn't met him. He had been mentioned at least once, and um, it was—it it seemed a possibility that he would turn out to be the surgeon. And of course we'd met Saxon, and there'd been some theories going around over the last week or two since Cassie died that, that Oliver would turn out to be the brain surgeon. I mean, looking back, it's not much of a stretch. Um, 
and it was seemingly increasingly likely, especially when we caught him lying to Quinn and the circumstances of it, that he was maybe getting close to Cassie to get close to Dexter to check him out. It was clear he'd been watching Vogel. He had her, her computer tapped. Uh, he knew of Dexter's existence. He was obviously intrigued. But I thought that final moment between Daniel, shall we call him, Daniel and, and Vogel, when she said, now, do you believe I didn't send him? Um, clearly, blood is thicker than water in this case. And Vogel's going to stand by her son. Which, you know, you can't entirely blame her for. <laughs> She's going to want to try and help him in whatever way she can. It may turn out that she comes unstuck and uh, she ends up with a piece of her brain removed. That may still happen. I don't know, it seems to me that Daniel has had ample opportunities to kill her, if that was his agenda, before now. So I'm inclined to think that she's not going to uh, lose a part of her mind. But I think Daniel's going to feel uh, a great degree, a great amount of animosity towards Dexter now, that, that Dexter had intentions to kill him. Uh, so is he going to be gunning for him now? Dexter is going to need to watch his back, isn't he? And maybe the back of those he cares about, because that's a worry if, if Daniel decides to target somebody Dexter cares about. I mean, there aren't that many candidates who fall into that category. Really, three. Deb, Hannah and Harrison. And I can't... I know the show occasionally likes to pull big shocks on us, uh, like the end of season four, but I can't see them going so far as to kill a small child like that. So that leaves Deb and Hannah. Does he kill one and then the other? Does he just kill one? I don't know. I mean... It's been questioned as to whether Dexter really needed to go after uh, uh, the brain surgeon at all. That said, it's been Dexter's M.O. all these years, is that he goes after killers. Killers who've escaped justice, and the brain surgeon falls into that category, definitely. So he's certainly a suitable candidate. Given Dexter's progression as a human, a human being with normal human emotions, he might have had it in him to just let it go learn from his lessons of Trinity. But will he learn? Will he remember that? We've pulled Dexter up before from not learning from his mistakes. So it could be that history repeats itself and he goes after a killer, fails, and it costs him dearly. Hits him right in the heart. And I think this time, whether it's Deb or Hannah, I think he'll feel it all the more. That's assuming um, Daniel does end up killing somebody that Dexter cares about. Because it might not. It might be Daniel just tries to make an attempt on Dexter's life. I'm sure I'll touch on, on this subject again, but um, just before I get into your feedback. Batista. Now, we've talked this season about some of the supporting characters being getting a bit more screen time, getting a little bit more to do with the central plot, uh, or, or having a bit more of a connection to the central plot. And maybe that it could be to set up a possible spin-off, that they're developing some of these characters a bit more now. Like Masuka with his daughter thing. Uh, like Quinn, showing more of his relationship with Jamie. Showing him still having feelings for Deborah, uh, Which I find perfectly plausible, by the way. Um, the, the, the kiss thing last week. Uh, clearly Quinn is still in love with her, deep down. And, and I think his feelings 
for her or the strength of his feelings for her have maybe sort of blindsided him a little bit uh, and crept up on him when for a while maybe he was just genuinely watching out for her and helping her because he cares about her and, and maybe the strength of his feelings have surprised him a bit um, we'll see where that goes but so we've had Quinn there uh, and we've had him we've had, had him sharing screen time with Dexter as well but Batista what occurs to me is has David Zayas pissed somebody off at Showtime or has he pissed off Scott Buck somehow now, I find that hard to believe because by all accounts... I mean, obviously I've spoken to David Zayas and he's a nice guy. And by all accounts, all reports you hear from actors and writers and people who work on the show is that he's a, a lovely bloke, lovely guy, really friendly. He's like a big brother on the set. You hear nothing bad about him at all. So I can't imagine that he's upset somebody. So why, oh why, when... Supporting characters like Masuka and Quinn have been given more screen time. And let's not forget, Batista's been on the show, like Masuka, since the pilot. Hasn't Batista earned the right to have a more significant storyline this season? Unless she's got something big still to come, but there's not much time for that, really. I don't understand. I, I'm disappointed, shall we say. And I, I think... As an actor, David Zayas must be disappointed as well. Now, he did say to me in that interview I did last year, he said his role on the... his job on the show is to support... is to obviously play his part, uh, and that is to support the central storyline uh, that involves Dexter. That is the role of all the supporting characters, is to prop up the main storyline uh, and serve the show, serve Dexter in whatever way the writers see fit. Which is fine, I can completely be on board with that. But as an actor, after eight seasons, he must be a bit disappointed he's not getting something a bit more meaty this year. And I'm disappointed for him. And I'm disappointed for the character because he's such a likeable character. He's just been sidelined more and more, uh, criminally so, I think. And it's a great shame. And it all adds up, um, bringing back the spin-off idea, um, it all adds up to the fact that outside of Deb and Dexter, do we really care about anyone else? I don't think so. I mean, they're some of the characters we might like. I mean, there's nothing to dislike about Batista. But there's no one we really care about. If any of the others got bumped off, would we shed any tears? Tears? I I don't think so. It might be a shame, we might be a bit disappointed, we might be a little bit sad, but in the scheme of things, it wouldn't make that much difference, would it? Okay, so let's go over to your feedback now. Ken in Pittsburgh emailed to say that he wanted to talk about the emotional whiplash these last episodes have been. He says, you recall that I declared the brain surgeon definitely dead in a voicemail before, but episode 8, Are We There Yet? Prove me wrong. And I was all the happier for it. Episode 8 turned up the tension and I was excited again. Then I listened to your podcast that week with the downer intro that really opened my eyes on the emotional weight the opinions of season 8 have placed on you and all of us. Of course, the both of us were very happy with episode 8, I think. Then 9 came along. Make your own kind of music. You didn't host the podcast that week, but man, were the negative opinions back in full stride. I admit I was disappointed too. I'm in it for the last three episodes, no doubt, and maybe this week, 
Maybe this week-long break will be good for a change. I could work on getting a positive mindset again. This season has really thrown me around, though. It started off so strongly, and I've been so back and forth about whether or not I like the season. But in the face of all this negativity, I've actually found it easier to just take a breath and utter your words, trust the show. All that being said, I've thought of an ending to the show that would make me most satisfied. I don't know what circumstances could make this a possibility, but it's how I'd like it to end. Dexter is dying. Aster's birthday party is playing in the background. Dexter's co-workers pay their final respects and depart so that Dexter can die peacefully with his family, Deborah, Harrison and, yes, Aster and Cody, gather around as the light leaves Dexter's eyes. Dexter can die a hero or a villain, depending on the circumstances, leading to a deathbed scene, but hero or villain, he dies loved by co-workers and family. Thanks, Ken. That could come about if Dexter ingests a slow but fatal poison from Hannah, although why she'd want to kill him, I don't know. All the vibes I've been getting lately suggest she's genuinely in love with him. And speaking of the mantra, trust the show, I may be wrong, but wasn't it you, Ken, who first coined the phrase? I can't take the credit myself, really, and I'm certain I first heard it from a listener voicemail. And I think it was you, but... Maybe it was somebody else. Speaking of voicemail. Hi, Gareth. Or is it your dark passenger, Travis, who's hosting this week? Ian from Bristol here. I thought that I'd take the one-week break from Dexter to think about how the series has progressed so far. I don't know if you intend to broadcast this week, but in case you do, here are my thoughts anyway. I think it's still too early to decide where this series ranks against previous ones. I don't feel that we can judge until we've seen it all but I think we can say it's a long way from the heights of Series 1 and 4. In many ways, this season has been typically Dexter. It had a good start, it suffered from a meandering middle act, and looks like it will lead up to an explosive finish. I say it's typically Dexter, as this has been the case with many of the seasons to date. Every good story should have a beginning, middle and an end, but in this season, I feel like you can actually see the joins, it's like each part of the story has been created separately and glued together during filming. If this was season 1 or 2, then it could be forgiven, but this is season 8, surely the production team should have got the formula right by now. Many of your contributors have said that they love it when Dexter is unaware of a threat. It builds tension, and tension always has a great payoff when it's released. I think the writers missed a trick with the brain surgeon killer. How different would we be considering this season if we, the audience, knew that the brain surgeon killer was getting closer to Dexter whilst Dexter was oblivious to the threat, thinking that he'd already dealt with him. This tension could have been introduced between episodes 5 and 8, and we wouldn't have been moaning about the saggy middle. I think that the writers have had some excellent ideas and created some intriguing characters, but the pacing of the season has generally been very poor. But, in my opinion, this has been the case with all the seasons since season 4. After all this criticism, I must add that I love the premise of Dexter, the serial killer that the audience loves. There have been some great storylines, some great acting, some truly memorable what-the-fuck moments, and some excellent individual episodes, but I can't help but feel that the writers and production team have consistently let the show down. This season could have been so much better, and it's the feeling of a missed opportunity that I'll always have when I think about this season of Dexter. Looking to the future, I can see that I'll rewatch series 1 and 4 several times, but I doubt I'll ever watch the other seasons again. Gareth, as always, thanks for the podcast, and I will try and give you feedback for the next episode next week. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ian. It's a good point about how much tension there could be if Dexter was blissfully ignorant of the brain surgeon's 
continued existence, and the killer was closing in on him unawares. As it is, it was of course the surgeon himself who revealed himself as still being here when he killed Zack, something he didn't have to do, but maybe it was a gesture after he saw that obscure little family set up with Vogel, Dexter, Zack and Hannah. He thought, hang on, she's my mother, bugger off, and promptly killed Zack. Maybe he'll go on to dispatch Hannah, and then try to get Dexter too, to properly kill off that pseudo-family thing and have his mother all to himself. On to another email now from Sheila Jones, who's an ex-Brit living in San Diego. She says, I emailed a couple of weeks ago saying that I was keeping up with Dexter through your podcasts, as Showtime was not available due to our cable provider Time Warner. Well, an argument... Uh, sorry, I'll read that again. <laughs> well, an agreement has been reached, so I was able to catch up on the missed episodes this weekend and watch the latest episode as well. Glad that Deb is more or less back to normal and was even able to make a joke about the food Hannah gave her. I thought the latest episode was pretty good and liked the ending with Vogel and her son. Also, the moment when you thought Harrison was going to say that the woman he drew was Hannah was a bit of a heartstopper. However, I cannot believe that the series will end with Dexter, Hannah and Harrison sailing away to Argentina as a family. That would be such a letdown. Maybe Oliver will kill Hannah. Let's hope so. Thanks, Sheila. I did quite like the ending of, of that episode with Vogel and Daniel uh, seemingly reunited. Uh, I, I, I'm certain it's not going to end well, but I did like the opening of the door to some dark possibilities leading from that that union. Hey Gareth, uh, this is Sam Gomahamedy from London, and uh, first time caller, but long time listener, and I uh, wanted to call you because, you know, we are just seeing episode 9 of uh, season 8, and obviously we're very close to the end now, and as many people, including yourself, keep uh, repeating, it, it, this season has been so strange. It it really doesn't feel like last season, and that's kind of the point of why I've called today. Um, just want to ask you what you think of this. Um, that the way they've made this season, they have very much tried to keep it in a similar style to all the others, in that they're not looking for it to be a so-called last season. You know, when the viewing figures came out for season seven. They kept saying that, in actual fact, where there'd been a downturn, there'd been such a, you know, things had been getting very low, thing, people weren't enjoying the show as much. But now, after season seven, suddenly, with Deb finding out about who Dexter really is, suddenly the audiences were up again, people were looking more favorably on the show again, to the point in which they were questioning whether or not they thought that they would end the series at season eight. So that's kind of my thought here, that maybe the idea is that they still want to keep it open for having another season after this sometime down the line. But, I mean, yeah, because, you know, you look at it as well, I don't really feel that there's anyone in this series that's been any more of a danger to Dexter than previous, unless Hannah McKay does turn out to not be all that she seems, but but even so, the, the, the enemies in general in this season just haven't seemed quite as a match to the point in which I don't really feel that Dexter's going to die at the end of this season. 
And if that's the case, then yeah, we are open to another season, aren't we? So, but yeah, so once again, just wanted to know what you think of this. And, uh, you know, thank you for us doing the podcast each week. It's been very much a real bit of enjoyment having listened to sort of really analyse the show. And thanks, Travis, for the cover last week, which was, you know, such a great episode. You always provide a good moment when Gareth's not there to um, do the cast. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. That's it. Thanks, Sam. My long-standing theory was that the show would end with Deb killing Dexter, perhaps to save him being caught and the truth being revealed to the world. I don't think that will happen now. It's the song that we keep hearing, make your own kind of music, and the lyrics I talked about a few weeks ago on the podcast. I think Dexter could end up alone at the end somehow, going his own way, maybe even regressing, embracing his darkness once and for all resigns to never maintaining a connection with anyone, almost like he just gives up with a kind of finality to his lot and his path. And he just goes back to just killing killers and not attempting to make any further deep, meaningful human connections and just maintaining that facade again, although what that would mean for his relationship with Harrison, assuming Harrison survives, I don't know. That being said, whether Dexter survives past the end credits or not, I don't think there'll be another season after this one, to answer your question, and I'm leaning to thinking that there won't be a spin-off either. Michael C. Hall has certainly had enough of Dexter and wants to do other things, theatre, films and stuff, and they definitely had to show him the money to get him to do these last two seasons. Jennifer Carpenter surely won't be lacking work after this. Some of the writers have already got other jobs. Scott Reynolds on the following, Lauren Gussis writing um, a show about sex with Ryan Murphy. I really think this is it, and I hope it is too. The show stagnated before they had Deb discover Dexter's secret. It was long past time to bring things to a close. Finally, an email from Steph Babin, who writes, Though this is my first time writing in, I've been listening to your podcast for some time now. I love your insight into the show and think you're fantastic. Thanks, Steph. (laughs) Very nice words. Uh, Steph goes on to say, Dexter has been my favourite show since I saw the very first episode. In the past, where there's been negativity, I've been able to stay positive and, as you say, trust the show. But this season has left me feeling disappointed. I feel like the long-time loyal viewers of this groundbreaking series that we love have been cheated out of an epic final season that we anticipated for months. Instead, we've been given an underwhelming, formulaic season with a regular big bad for Dexter to track down. Actually, season 8 has seemed worse since we were anticipating more from start to finish of this final season. I get a bit mad when I go back and look at Showtime's YouTube teaser for the season, showing Vogel as a threat to Dexter, and the two intriguing short teasers showing how his past monsters are going to come back to haunt him this season. Yes, Steph, um, I completely agree with you. Those teasers we saw were fantastically done. I I, uh, waxed lyrical about them at the beginning of the season. Whoever put them together did some great work and really really enhanced our anticipation and excitement and sense of oh you know what i mean uh really set it up as a as a final season and well 
overhyped it, I guess. <laughs> um, anyway, Steph goes on to say, why put those out there and then do nothing of the sort throughout the season? Things should be escalating and closing in around Dexter. Instead, they're closing in around Hannah, and we've been given filler side stories and new characters that no one's invested in. Cassie, Zack, who, who was killed off the moment anyone started to warm up to him. There was Yates, Vogel, Masuka's daughter, Daniel slash Oliver, Elway. I keep thinking about what they could have done. Certainly great ideas were brought up in a brainstorming session and ditched. And why? Why were the good ideas ditched for this? I just don't understand. Dokes' name should be cleared at Miami Metro. In my opinion, if this doesn't happen, they've failed. Batista quit the force and opened a restaurant. Now he's lieutenant because he felt so strongly about what happened to his ex-wife and his ex-co-worker. The ending of season 7 could have led into a perfect season 8 for Batista to really follow up on LaGuerta's suspicions, leads and notes about Dex and Deb, maybe finding the DVD of Deb filling up the gas can. Instead, he's done nothing but sit around and deal with Quinn and Jamie. Why didn't they have him dig into LaGuerta's death more? They could have given him a real story throughout this season. Instead, we got filler. And in response to that, Steph, I agree with you. I've obviously talked about my thoughts on Batista this season uh, a few minutes ago. And I did feel um, earlier in the season, Batista was looking through some of LaGuerta's stuff. And um, I think I mentioned that he might turn up that DVD of, of Deb at the petrol station, at the, the filling station. Steph goes on to say, Masuka has a daughter. OK, great. God forbid we give him an actual story that could go somewhere. He could have found some kind of blood evidence that forced Dexter to do something none of us thought would happen, but that followed the first rule of his code. Don't get caught. After all, even though we love Masuka, it's, it is the end. Crazy things should be happening already. Quinn could have followed his hunches about Dexter. I thought Deb's guilt and confession were truly fantastic. They could have gone through with her confession to him. But maybe Quinn decided to help Deb and Dex instead of go against them. Yet, we were given the Quinn and Jamie story. Did this have a point? Did the writers forget that Quinn was on to Dexter a few seasons ago? Maybe this will show itself at some point, but it seems to have been conveniently forgotten. Oh yeah, did he lose out on the sergeant position? Sorry, I'll read that again. <laughs> oh yeah, he did lose out on the sergeant position to Angie Miller. She seems to have disappeared after this subplot ended. I was holding out some hope that Matthews has known about Dexter from the beginning, and that something will play out with this. It seems that the writers think viewers aren't smart enough to remember that Hannah, that Dexter turned Hannah in to keep Deb safe last season since Hannah tried to kill Deb. Yet this season he's risking everything to hide Hannah at Deb's and to run away with her. He spent the first half of the season unable to function without Deb, but now it's, see you later Deb, I'm in love, Harrison and I are leaving. And I don't know even where to start with Deb, even reluctantly agreeing to let Hannah stay at her place. Deb would never do that. We're not dumb. Viewers aren't buying it. I still hope they're shoving Hannah down our throats because she's really here for revenge. Yes, Steph, I, I agree with you. And I, I've talked about Deb giving in to having uh, <laughs> a known killer uh, staying at her place and, and the fact that, that Hannah tried to kill Deb. And maybe, maybe Hannah still has a, a secret agenda of revenge against Deb and Dex, but she did have... The opportunity to uh, kill Deb and, and Dex earlier in the season um, and didn't take it. I don't know. If that was their plan for the show, they could have maybe had that happen right at the end of this season. 
Steph goes on by saying, what drama this season does have is from new characters that have been introduced in season 7 and 8. Hannah, Vogel and Daniel slash Oliver. Shouldn't the final season be centred around characters the viewers are invested Oh, pardon me, sorry. The viewers are invested in and should have cared about long term. Shouldn't something be brewing at Miami Metro from characters we know and love? Why have we only had two to three kills in nine episodes in a story about a serial killer? That's a good point. I mean, I completely agree with you, Steph. Something should be brewing at Miami Metro from characters we know, established characters. They've paid their dues. Steph goes on by saying the writers want the real suspense to be the brain surgeon slash Vogel and Hannah, but viewers aren't buying that. We're not as invested in those people. I feel like if Dexter is brought down or has to make a hard choice in the end, it should be because of a character that we are invested in long term. Not because of this season's big bad or his current love interest. The stakes should be higher. We're watching to see how things play out in the end, but this isn't the end most people expected. Steph, you are, you are summarising the thoughts, I think, of a large majority of the audience. <laughs> uh, she concludes by saying, It's not just the premise of season 8, it's the sloppiness. Why did they suddenly have Dexter break his stalking MO with Daniel Oliver in the cafe? He stuck out like a sore thumb standing there staring at him through the glass window. Of course he was spotted. I'm surprised a cafe customer didn't report the weird guy in the bright aqua shirt to management for standing and creeping people out for so long. The old Dexter would have waited by the car, or in the car, or waited until Daniel was secluded and then pounced. I'm just not even sure what's going on anymore. I pulled out my season one DVD last week and remembered why I fell in love with the show in the first place. It feels like a completely different show in almost every way. I almost feel heartbroken over it. I get why people are so upset and disappointed. It's podcasts, message boards, reviews, friends, it's everyone. The disappointment is everywhere. For me, no matter what happens when these last three episodes air, it won't change the fact that the final season of our beloved groundbreaking series was lacklustre and meek instead of strong and amazing. The way it should have been, and it's a shame. Well, Steph, I couldn't help but read... It was a long email, but I had to read out the read it out in full because you summarised the season quite perfectly you bring up some wonderful points and I can't argue with you looking back at season one and it wasn't that long ago that I was reviewing it on the podcast and it was and for me it was a near perfect season of television I could barely I would struggle to find any negative points about it it was wonderful Brilliantly written, brilliantly acted, full of suspense and tension and the, sen the sense of, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. Of course, that was a show that didn't have an established formula, so we, we had nothing to compare it to. But it doesn't detract from the fact that it was a fantastic season of, of dramatic TV. And by comparison, this is, this is pretty tame stuff. And it's tragic. I, I don't want to get angry about it because it's not my show. I'm not writing it. I'm not creating it. I have no involvement in the creative process. But as a viewer and a fan who's invested eight years and, and who knows how many hours doing this podcast, um, I have a lot of personal investment and emotional investment in this show, uh, as do many of you. So I think we do have a right to be disappointed. I still have complete belief that the show will go out with a punch to the guts. What that consists of, 
I don't know. Um, as as we've talked about, I've I've seen possible spoilers. I've seen contradictory spoilers. So I really don't know what's coming. Um, and and obviously that's a good thing. <laughs> and I hope all of you are in the same boat there. Um, but I, I, it's is it too late for the season to salvage itself? I, I think it could still go out. You know, if these last three episodes are fantastic, then we'll feel that the show has gone some way to redeeming this final season. But where this season ranks amongst all the seasons at the end, you know, in an ideal world, I would have liked this season to be on a par with or not far behind season one. But that's just not going to happen. And, and that really disappoints me after I and so many of you, hell no, all of you, all of us had such enormously high hopes. Maybe we're a victim of the hype. Maybe we're victims of our own slightly misplaced belief uh, in our own hopes and optimism for the season. But I think we had every right to be optimistic when they had two two years to plan this and and pace it and lay the groundwork last season for for the end game. And obviously now we know Hannah's back. Uh, they did lay the groundwork, having that relationship with Dexter established last year uh, and the dynamic between Deb and Dex. Uh, I mean, even in season six with the psychiatrist suggesting she's in love with Dexter, as much as we spat on it at the time, um, it all laid groundwork for how Deb regards Dexter now. So it kind of fits, but there are some of the... There is a certain amount of foundation there for for a successful final season. There are some of the ingredients, but it's not all gelled. It's not all there, uh, and there's been too many, too many issues. I'm not going to go. Out, I'm not going to repeat them all now, but you know, you know what I'm referring to. The different moments we've had. I've talked about some of them today. Trust the show. Trust the show. Here's hoping. We haven't got long left, but. There's still time for them to produce something memorable, something something emotional, something traumatic maybe. It could still happen. But the way I'm feeling, I'm just not that bothered anymore about whether Dexter survives or not. I don't know if I'm that bothered whether Deb survives. I've... I hate to say it, I really do. And I, I spoke to Travis this morning and I, I said to him, I, I almost dare, I don't know if I dare admit this on the podcast, but I've just done it now. <laughs> and I suspect a lot of you will share that opinion. I, I'm still interested in what happens, of course. But I don't know whether the emotional punch of whatever happens will hit me as hard as it might have been if this final season was had been as good as we had hoped. There was a lot of good groundwork at the beginning of the season with Deb and her downfall. And I was emotionally invested in that. But that's kind of... We've kind of moved on and got over that. And with these lacklustre middle episodes, I think the disappointment with the show as a whole has taken over. And that's such a shame that they've let go of that or allowed that to slip. I'm going to close out now because um, obviously we've got an episode next week and, um, you know, we'll see where we're at then. 
Uh, I'm certainly not off the show, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm still invested, but just not as much as I would have liked. And that is... That's a tragedy in my eyes. <laughs> as someone who has invested so much... Um, Hell, I don't want to detract from your, your guys' investment in the show as well. And, of course, you listen to these podcasts and, and spend time listening to me. And uh, as much as I try to stay positive, I've, I, I would be doing you a disservice as, as my listeners if um, I wasn't honest with you. Um, and, and I think you'd know if, if I was bullshitting you and, and saying, oh, it's fantastic when you think, oh, come on, Gareth, we know you too well. <laughs> Tell us the truth. Tell us what you really think. So that's what I'm doing. Um, it's going to get better. Trust the show. Trust the show. Right, I'm off. <laughs> um, thanks for listening. Uh, I'll be back with a normal review podcast next week, uh, hopefully with, with more of your fantastic feedback. You guys are pulling out all the stops this year with your, your feedback and, and some first-time contributors um, really providing some great comments and great thoughts. So keep them coming. Uh, you can email me or send MP3 voice recordings or whatever you like to um, dissectingdexter at gmail.com. Uh, there's Twitter at dissectdexter. Uh, there's the Facebook page www.facebook.com slash dissectingdexter. And the listener lines that hardly anybody ever uses, although someone did this week. Ironically, uh, a British listener using the US line, so um, that, was, that was a bit different. Uh, but of course, I, I thank you for it, Sam. Um, right, that's it from me. Take care, everybody, and we'll be dissecting some more Dexter next week. Until then, cheers for now. Bye.